Amen. Hello, everybody. My name is Shana. I'm the teaching intern here. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, it's been a long day. So let's just take a second. You don't have to stand up if you're not comfortable, but take a couple deep breaths, shake out your body, roll your shoulders, roll your neck, just kind of connect with yourself. Um, You can stand up if you want, but I know that probably feels pretty awkward to get up and wiggle in front of everybody like I just did. Um, We are in a series on Exodus right now, and I am so excited because it is my first time getting to preach in the Old Testament. And I know that, like Phil has been telling us, the Old Testament is super weird and can be awkward and confusing and really dramatic. Um, But so am I. And so I actually just love it. And so we're going to jump right in. We are starting in chapter six tonight, and we're going to be carrying on for quite a bit. So if you want to open up your Bibles, please feel free. Um, If you want to read up on the screen, we'll have the verses there as well. I have my really big Bible tonight, which my amazing preaching professor, Dr. Felix Gilbert, may he rest in peace, told me to never, ever preach with because he said it looks ridiculous when there's a tiny person holding a huge Bible. Um, But it's what I needed, so if I drop it or look ridiculous, please just show me some grace. (laughs) So we're beginning in verse 2, and I'm just going to pause when we need to and talk about it. Um, So carry on with me. And if you have any questions that I don't answer, feel free to jot them down in your phone and come find me after. And where we are right now, for those of you who weren't here last week, is basically God told Moses and Aaron to go to Pharaoh. And he was like, you're going to tell him to let the people go. And he's not going to do it. And it's going to feel really bad, but it's okay. And so Moses does it. And Pharaoh does exactly what God said. And Moses freaks out, and he's in the middle of a meltdown, kind of like that scream. That's exactly how Moses feels right now. And so where we are is God is responding to Moses' meltdown. And so he, like, had a sentence that he said last time, so it's going to say the word also. Don't worry about it. We'll handle it. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. So basically, right, Moses is having his meltdown, which I totally get. I'm a drama queen. I swear every time anything goes wrong, I have been known to like throw myself on the floor in utter tragedy. So that's what Moses is going through. And God comes to him and he's like, hey, Moses, actually what you're going through right now is number one, something I told you was going to happen. Number two, it's a part of a story that began hundreds and hundreds of years ago. There was a promise that I made to your ancestors, and I'm fulfilling it now. So you don't have to worry about this setback, because this is all part 
of a bigger picture, which Moses just doesn't get, right? Basically, it's like, let's say the Bible is a TV show and it has 250 seasons and Moses is in season 11, episode five. And he's like, this is it, it's over. We should just go home. And God is like, no, that's not what's happening. And actually this whole idea of what's happening with the person at hand not being the whole picture is really, really common in the Bible. We see over and over where God makes this big promise and then the people he makes the promise to never actually see that promise come true. They die and the promise hasn't happened yet. But that doesn't mean that God is slow or that God is a liar. What it means is that that promise was never about those specific people. It was about humankind as a whole. And that's the idea that God is trying to give Moses that Moses just doesn't seem to quite understand yet. So in verse nine, Moses reported this to the Israelites. Good job, right? He still doesn't understand, but he goes ahead and does it anyway. But they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. Then the Lord said to Moses, go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of his country. But Moses said to the Lord, if the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me since I speak with faltering lips? So even though God just told Moses that it's not about him, and we see right here that the reason that the Israelites do not listen to Moses is because of what just happened to them last time, right? Moses came and then their slavery got way worse and they had to go through way more terrible things. So they're on their own journey of what does it mean that God promised to free them and then instead everything is getting worse. But how Moses sees it is it's because of my speech impediment. If I didn't have a speech impediment, they would definitely listen to me. It has nothing to do with what they're actually going through. Do any of you have that thing, that like social anxiety thing? I have it where like when someone's having a bad day and is acting off, you're like, they hate me. It's because of me. I wore a shirt they didn't like. I smell funny. Every time I see my boyfriend Ryan and he like doesn't smile the second he sees me, I'm like, he doesn't, he doesn't love me anymore. <laughs> which is something that I think we all do, right? And that's what Moses is doing. The Israelites are having a really, really, really hard time. And so they don't wanna to listen to anything he says because they have no reason to believe it because right now they don't even trust God. But Moses is like, it's because of me. The whole story's over because of me. The Israelites are gonna be enslaved forever. Sorry, God, you're gonna to have to send somebody else. And we don't get details of what God exactly says to him. We get now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron about the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he commanded them to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. So whatever God says, he basically just repeats himself again. And luckily the story stops us from having to reread the same paragraph three times. And then there's this big commercial break randomly where we go into this genealogy, which we're gonna have up on the screen, but I'm not gonna read to you tonight because you would have to spend like 15 minutes listening to me mispronounce names. Um, so this genealogy is important. I'm just not going to make you sit through me reading that. And the point of it is to establish two things. Number one, we already learned earlier on in Exodus that Moses comes from the right lineage to be fulfilling God's promise. And now basically we learn through this incredibly long thing here that Aaron also has those qualifications. 
And typically that's framed as being about them, right? Like these men are qualified for leadership despite their shortcomings. But really what it's about is it's about God. What it's saying is when God comes to Moses and Aaron, he is fulfilling the promise that he made to their ancestors because we can see through this crazy, super weird genealogy that they are related to those original people, which doesn't mean very much to us, but it meant a lot to the people that this book was originally written to. So that's our commercial break. That's what it means. And then we go back into the story. Now, when the Lord spoke to Moses in Egypt, he said to him, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I tell you. But Moses said to the Lord, since I speak with faltering lips, why would Pharaoh listen to me? Then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions my people, the Israelites, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. The cycle continues. This section is sort of repetitive if you're getting a common theme. God tells Moses what's up and Moses is like, no, I can't, I'm a failure, sorry. And God's like, Moses, it's not about you. There's a bigger story. Don't worry, I have a plan. You can expect that this is going to happen. And it does. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Moses was 88 years old and Aaron was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. We're not going to go into the meaning of the ages. Just go with it. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh and it will become a snake. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian magicians also did the same thing by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff, and it became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to them, just as the Lord had said. Couple things on this like crazy staff snake story. So number one, Pharaoh was believed to be a god by the Egyptians at the time. Like literally, they were like, this man is a god incarnate walking around among us. Number two, his staff was like his symbol of power, um, like king of the hill status. And then number three, the snake, which was actually, it's more of like a sea monster, which is like way cooler than like just a siddling little snake, you know, it was like this really cool Leviathan. Um, it was like his spirit animal, you know, like his symbol of power that he had on his hat. And so he was a God who had a snaff and this like snake serpent that was his power, um, the whole thing. And so basically in this story, when Aaron's staff becomes the same monster and then defeats all of the snakes that Pharaoh has, it basically proves that God is way bigger than the God that the Egyptians thought that they had. He's all time, he overpowers the spirit animal, his staff is bigger than their staff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Which just goes to prove to the point of what we've been talking about, where God has this big plan, 
that he's trying to fulfill. And that's where we're gonna stop reading tonight because next week we're gonna do the plagues and it would be kind of a lot to do that tonight. Um, But in this brief segment, what we get to see in God's recasting of the vision is that he is trying to tell Moses that Moses is a sub-character in a bigger story rather than the main character in the story that he sees himself in. And that's actually kind of like what I love about the Old Testament because a lot of the times when we hear about Jesus, right, we're like, there was humanity and humanity was awful and so God sent his son and then his son died and like, ta-da, the end. And for people who haven't really heard about God, that can be like super confusing. But the Old Testament is actually this really cool story of God's interactions with humankind and all of the ways that he tries to save us and the way that the narrative builds to Jesus. Jesus is a really cool plot twist later, but he's not a separate story. It's all connected. And this moment in Exodus is a moment where God talks to us about what does that story look like and what does it mean to be a part of it. And if it's something that God really, really wanted Moses to know, I think it's just worth asking ourselves if it's something he wants us to know too. I'm the ultimate individualist. Honestly, it's like kind of embarrassing to admit that, but um, I really am. I'm not married. I don't have kids. I'm not close to my biological family. In less than a decade, I've been a part of five churches. I've had over 30 jobs. I've lived like 20 different places. I don't have a single close friendship that goes back an entire decade. Um, I am very used to and very comfortable with the Shana show. You know, all those like angsty songs about like me versus the world. Those are my jams. And so when I am processing this story, it's been hard for me to picture what does that look like and what does that mean? But actually Moses is a lot like me If you were here for the early weeks when Phil was telling us about Moses, like, I mean, he went through a lot. He had to move a ton. He lost all of his people. His life was like this crazy confusion about like, who do I belong to? What am I supposed to do? Who should I stand up for? And then he feels like he's finally figured it out. And then he gets exiled. And I mean, Moses gets it. And yet this message of the story is not about you, the story is about me, is still the message that Moses hears. And so I think that even though it feels weird and disorienting and confusing, I think that it is the message that God has for us today, that every single one of us is a sub-character in the story of God, and we are not the main character in our own story. And if you have heard that the story of God is a story that is about hate, sexism, racism, homophobia, anything like that, I'm really, really sorry because that is a terrible impression of what God is about and that is not the truth. The truth is that it's a story about God stepping into humankind to save us from oppression, addiction, abuse, grief, loss, mental health, everything, all of our brokenness, and to lead us to wholeness. 
And so even though thinking about ourselves as a smaller part of a bigger story can at first feel really minimizing and like uncomfortable, I think that it's actually an opportunity to see ourselves as a part of a story that is so much more beautiful than anything we could create alone. And I'm not saying that that's an easy thing to think because like I said, it's the opposite of what I have thought forever. And I also know that it sounds a little abstract. So I'm gonna talk to you just for a couple minutes about a couple of the ways that I've been trying to make this practical for myself. And then I encourage you to also think about what are some of the ways that it looks like for you. So one of the questions that I've been asking myself over the past couple weeks is when I encounter other people, do I treat them like sideshows to my main act or do I treat them like equal characters in a really beautiful story? And I have a perfect example of what not to do featuring me. So the other week, <laughs> I was driving home and I've been working really, really hard on patience because it's not something that I'm good at. There are a lot of things I'm not good at. Um, and so I was like trying to drive slow and I was like, Shana, you're gonna drive like under the speed limit and you're just gonna cruise because you're patient and you have nowhere you need to be right now, which already the way that I was thinking about it was not the right attitude. Um, but this car zooms up and just starts tailgating the heck out of me, like so close. And that's like one of my pet peeves, you know, like it just gets under my skin. And so what I should have done was maybe like pull over or, you know, like driven the speed limit. Um, but instead I was like, no, I'm working on my practice of patience and I will go as slow as I please and you can figure it out. But like, I don't know why this person was rushing. Like maybe they were trying to get to the hospital or maybe they were late to pick up their kid or, you know, like there's a bazillion reasons that they could have been rushing that were valid. And if I was viewing them as equally important people with an equally important mission in life, I would have found an alternative that didn't involve slowly slowing down even more. <laughs> so don't do that, but like maybe think about in your life some ways that you can treat people as equal characters in God's story. And then the second question that I've been wrestling with over the past couple of weeks is when things in my life don't go how I want them to, am I asking myself, wow, like, how does this fit into God's greater story? Or, more likely, much more often, am I getting mad at God for messing up my story? Another negative example of what I did and shouldn't have done. So just about a week ago, my roommate and I figured out that we have to move apartments again, um, which will be my fourth time moving in the past couple of years. And I, I mean, I had a catastrophic meltdown, honestly, like not publicly, luckily nobody had to deal with it, but between me and God, some words were exchanged. And the fact of the matter, right, is that like, I actually live in like, an ADA apartment because it was the only one that was available at the time. And who am I to say that like there isn't someone who actually has disabilities who's now gonna end up having access to this apartment. But in the moment I was like, God, I had a plan and I was gonna stay here and it was gonna be so good. And I was like maybe gonna get a piece of furniture and it was gonna be so lovely. And you are getting in the way of my big plan. Which when we look at what God tells Moses, like, that just cannot be accurate at all. 
So those are a couple of questions that I've been processing. But I think that when we're looking at an idea as big as what does it look like to be the sub-character in God's story instead of the main character in our story, there are endless ways to go about living a life that looks more like that. And so I would encourage you, rather than just doing what I've done, think on it, talk to some people, figure out what that looks like for you. Because this is a really cool story and it changed my life. And I wouldn't be up here talking to you tonight if I didn't believe that it could change yours too. And so it is my hope, and I'm about to close and pray for us, that you are able to find ways to lean in to the power of God's bigger story instead of just being stuck in your own. Dear God, thank you so much for the Bible. Thank you for the Old Testament and all of its weirdness and craziness and awkwardness and weird things like flying snakes. Just, God, as we go into this week, please help us just find ways to see you in the bigger story, to step outside of ourselves, and to step more into the plan that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.